This is the Out of Time Film Podcast, where your hosts, Tom and John, discuss everything from blockbuster films to TV and games like there's no tomorrow. Hello and welcome to the Out of Time Film Podcast. My name is Tom and as always I'm joined with my co-host John. Hello. And this week we are completing our look at Doctor Who by talking about the 60th anniversary specials, including The Star Beast, The Wild Blue Yonder, and of course The Giggle. Man, it's such a nice feeling to have Doctor Who weekend, you know, like you wait for Saturday and then Saturday it comes like, oh yay, the new Doctor Who episode comes. And this one I thought was really interesting. For the first one, the Starbeast, I think looking back at it now, like at first I was like, oh wow, that's that's really cool. But then as I think about it, I was like, mm, okay. But the two of the specials I really, really like. And it just really, really gave me the old days of Doctor Who when I used to watch like David Tennant and then Matt Smith and made me think about other things about in Doctor Who, which I'm really happy with, with disabled representation and trans representation as well. And it gave you new perspective on the characters as well. But yeah. It's such a new, exciting thing that it's just generating so much excitement. Yeah, what do you think? I feel like there was almost an impossible amount of hype surrounding this. Obviously, it's the start of a new era. It's also anniversary specials. And, you know, they're bringing back David Tennant and Catherine Tate. A decision that I wasn't very on board with. I have to say I was was worried. But you know Mm. what? I think that this was really cool for the most part. I definitely have my qualms, but it doesn't really matter because it really was fantastic to see this team back together with Russell T. Davies writing and with David Tennant as the Doctor and Catherine Tennant as Donna. Like, those things, when it mattered, worked really, really well. Spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it, we will be doing, like a you know, a full talk about all of it. One of the things that I think is really cool is they have this new Disney deal, and so they have this, like, big, expansive budget. And this is probably the best that Doctor Who has ever looked, especially in the Star Beast. I would say that the effects are incredible. Practically, you know, think about the meep and also visually. I think a lot of the stuff in the Wild Blue Yonder and in the Giggle really work. It feels like something so much more expansive than what they've ever done before. It doesn't it doesn't feel I mean, like, you know, obviously there's still some janky effects. And I feel like Doctor Who will always have janky CGI and otherwise it's not gonna be Doctor Who. <laughs> but really it does look and feel incredible. Yeah, I agree. And it's so detailed as well, you know, with new monsters and new gadgets they had. And you know, we're exploring this new version of the Doctor, which is something that I don't think we We've seen before, but I think it's just a really cool concept to see this version of the Doctor, which we'll get into. It celebrates a lot of, you know, with the adventures, a lot of things we know with Russell T. Davis, and it just really got that fun and mischief of Doctor Who. I thought these were really cool episodes to go through. But other than that, all of these were just really strong. At the end of the day, it just celebrates what Doctor Who is. If you haven't seen our best Doctor Who episodes, you can go through a lot of Doctor Who stuff. So if you want to listen more, maybe get some context about why Doctor Who is such a legendary show. Yeah, there's definitely a certain kind of episode that I think both of us respond to. As you say, in that in that episode where we talked about best Doctor Who episode, there's definitely a type of episode that we were like, yes, this is the best. And I think that in this series of specials, for me at least, Wild Blue Yonder was it. Out of the three episodes, that was the one that was like, that was the yes. One. 
the simplicity of the location, these kind of boundless corridors and this ship that is on the edge of nowhere is you know counting down to destruction the villains these no things who take the form of the doctor and donna and there's some really great moments with practical effects where they have arms that are too long or double jointed knees oh it's so scary it really yeah. was it was it was freaky and there are some really good like emotional manipulation and there's a really good moment where we explore the ramifications of the flux what happened in the 13th doctor's era and the 14th doctor really breaks down and you you kind of see him on the edge a little bit and all of that is so well devised and so well done and so well plotted and so well paced the whole thing i just thought was really really brilliant and then it ends with wilf bernard cribbins back and oh. it was it was such a treat to see him and i thoroughly enjoyed that episode so much i really love the psychological horror side to like how do you trust your friend if someone else is a doppelganger like they're evil versions of themselves and there's those evil versions of you get smarter and smarter and you're stuck in this ship and you have to wonder why you are at the edge of the universe so ah oh, what a really cool concept for the episode and i love the reveal of the robot he's the one who's supposed to destroy the ship but he just took his time <laughs> he just took his time just walking down just like you know I i'm gonna explode the ship but with wild blue yonder i thought yes this is what we need you know in doctor who like something that we don't know something that is just completely unexpected i mean you can bring back all monsters like what they did in jodie whittaker's era the one with percy shelley with that episode with the cybermen yeah that one that was like something really unexpected and you know it's really builds up that spooky factor this was really scary I loved how it really tests the Doctor and Donna's relationship, you know, like how they know it's each other. And it really goes into the Doctor's inner you know, feelings about like, why did this old face come back? He feels really lost. So the concept of the Doctor right here is really interesting. Like he doesn't know what he's doing. Like this is not the same like for the other regenerations, you know, like he's trying to explore about himself, but this is something he already explored and he's just really stuck. This is such a like, he's such in this lost phase. And then we do get a reveal about this whole thing, which we'll get into. But Wild Blue Yonder is an episode that really stuck with me. And the first time watching it, I was like, what? What? And just trying to understand what was going on every time. Oh, and we got to talk about Captain Tate's performance, you know, like when the doctor takes the wrong Donna. My heart sank. I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, is Toxic Who going to have like a really dark episode? Yeah, I believed that was going to happen. I kind of thought that maybe Donna was going to die in that moment. I was like, oh, okay. Were you just thinking about Donna, especially from Star Beast? I didn't know how to process that with Star Beast, that Donna will stay alive after that, because I think that would have added way more emotional weight for the Doctor for this entire three specials. But then she was already going to be in the other ones. But it was a weird way justifying all of that with the meta crisis, with Donna being like a Time Lord. But then that's already been done because her daughter Rose has all the other energy that has been passed down to her from Donna. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to like explain, but that was a 
I don't know, a moment that could have been more well-defined. Yeah, I feel like a lot of what they wanted to do with these, if you watch Doctor Who Unleashed, it was very much a case of we want to get the band back together, and they did. And one of the things that I think is really clear when you watch these specials is that they don't want to deliver a more emotional turmoil. Because with David Tennant's first incarnation of the Doctor and with Donna's first run as companion, it isn't very emotionally devastating, particularly towards the end. So I do understand why they did this. I just, I struggle with their way around it. You know, I agree with you that it it, it does feel a little bit convenient with Donna just letting the Metacrisis go. It feels like something that's so simple, considering how yes. devastating it was first time around. I mean, Rose and Donna say, we can let it go you're a male presenting time lord so you would never understand but we're women and we can just let it go and that feels a little bit maybe disingenuous considering yeah. the doctor was was literally a woman less than 24 hours ago it doesn't quite feel like something that has any other purpose other than they wanted an excuse to I... bring donna and her memories back yeah, I think that dialogue is just really tone deaf about, like, the Doctor was literally a woman, you know, just what you said, like, 24 hours ago. And I don't know why they need to include that. It could have been worked really well for emotional, like, to let go, maybe something like that, but not on the lines of, like, trying to let go, you don't understand because you're a man or something, but gender changes all the time for Time Lords as well, so I don't know why that wasn't included. There was some really good emotional stakes in that episode. The yes, Starbeast presents course. some really great moments where the Doctor is struggling with the fact that Donna will die if she remembers. There's the really great moment in mm. the Meep's spaceship where the partition comes down. It's a callback to the end of time and mm, the only yes. way that they can save London from being obliterated is if the Doctor activates the Metacrisis in Donna which gives her only a few moments left and in these brief glorious moments you know the, the Doctor Donna get to save people again and mm. it is bittersweet and they then reverse that and I like the idea that because Donna had a child it spreads the Metacrisis but doesn't quite stop it I really like that that concept, and it was a good way around it. Yes. But I then feel like getting rid of it entirely is a little bit disingenuous to the 15 years that we have just had, where we've had to sit with those emotions. I feel like now those emotions fall a little bit more flat because you know that everything's okay. And all along, Donna could have just said, oh, I, I let it go. I feel like those things are a little bit complicated. Yeah. They kind of sour some of the past. Yeah, especially for, you know, for the end of time, the 10th Doctor trying to see Wilf, but also there's a lot of stakes of that. And the 10th Doctor has been through a lot, you know, especially losing Donna. So that was really emotional because at the time with Journey Zander, it was just like an idea of like the Doctor not seeing Donna anymore and how that's going to affect 15 years later. But then all of that pressure, all of that emotion building up, you know, 15 years, you know, just still there like just floating with these emotions and it just goes because it was just simple it was just simple like that i mean it had really really good emotional stakes with donna and her family just being completed like the house being destroyed by the meep i have to say i really liked the meep the meep was a really uh, fantastic meep, yes. villain it was cute. i think that it yeah was cute. cute but also terrifying i love that across these three specials we have some really good villains i think that the toy maker and the no things as well are also really great and really memorable that's really good to see because they decided not to do three connected specials they decided to do episodes that were all distinct and they still managed to all be memorable in their own ways 
I thought the best villain, I mean, we did get the evil versions of Donna and Doctor, and we saw the Toy Maker. I never seen, you know, heard about it, but it was like this crazy character that was quite powerful, literally kind of shaping reality in his domain. I like how petty he is. He wants to play his little game and he's just like an angry kid when he loses and he's like, oh, that's cheating. And it's like, how is that cheating? I really liked the idea of this person who introduces so much anarchy and is on top of everybody else and has more power, but uses it in such selfish ways. There's a moment where the 14th Doctor says, I am disappointed in how little you are because you have this power and you're mm. using it for such juvenile things. And I thought that he was a very well-defined character. And the scene where he dances to spice up your life was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. I, I love it. We have so many of those scenes now in Doctor Who where evil characters dance to music. Obviously, literally a few episodes ago, we had the master dancing to Rara Rasputin. I just really like that kind oh of stuff. I, I watched uh, that clip. I was just yes. like, I don't know what's happening in Doctor Who, but this with Neil Patrick Harris dancing with the song with the Spice Girls. And... People of the world, spice up your life. Every boy and every kid. <laughs> oh my god, that was amazing. I love it when these episodes had fun with themselves because at the end of the day, that's kind of what Doctor Who is. It'll always be a bit goofy, a bit camp, a bit just, you know, it was fun. And I and I I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. And with the toy maker, the thing that he never cheats, you know, like that his all thing. If he does cheat, that ruins his existence. And here's like the biggest question of like what the toy maker is exactly talking. The concept of the master, the consciousness of the master is stuck in this golden tooth. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's this other thing called the one who waits. So that is something mm. that is showing the possibility. Ooh, oh, it's all it's all Doctor. setting up stuff for the future. <laughs> yes, the one who waits. Mm. Yeah, I love that. It, you kind of alluded to this earlier, but I really like the idea that this isn't a conventional special. These episodes, they're not cameo fests. They're not the conventional celebration of the Doctor Who's history. This isn't like Day of the Doctor. These specials are looking at what Doctor Who can be, the concepts that it tackles, the kinds of episodes that it does. And I actually really liked that. And there are a couple mm. of really smart ways that they connect back to the past, like with Meep being from a comic from the fourth Doctor's era or with the Toymaker being from the first Doctor's era. There's some mm. really nice little references back, you know, characters, you know, obviously Donna and Mel and Kate Lethbridge-Stewart. I really like that kind of stuff. Stuff, how they take stuff that it's not necessarily conventional ways to celebrate an anniversary. It's nothing like what we've seen before, but it still is in keeping what the core of the show has been and what it will continue to be and what it can be. And I think that as well with the quality of these episodes, even though there are some sticky moments, the episodes are really solid and they are types of episodes that are classic for the era. Like <laughs> the toy maker is defeated with a game of catch. And I can't think of something that is more classic Doctor Who than we're going to defeat the Toymaker with a game of catch. I think that those kinds of things really, really work well. Mm. And it just explored new concepts all the way through. And it was just, you know, really refreshing to see, like you said, what Doctor Who can be. I agree with that. That is something that it just gives potential especially with Shooter Gatwa's era that's going to be coming up soon. And as we got new concept, we got a new TARDIS. So yes, I like it, but it's mm -hmm. it's definitely not the best. 
I really like the designs for the controls. You know, like with the buttons, all the buttons in the TARDIS. You can't go wrong with that, you know, with all the buttons in the TARDIS. But the white interior, you know, as you think about it, it doesn't sit well with me. I mean, if I spend too much time, time traveling in there, I'm like, geez, this is a bit... <laughs> It's almost like a psych ward. I feel like I'd go mental in there. I, oh my I, I, god! Yeah, there, there are there are numerous things that I really like. I mean, the console. I agree with you. The ramps. The console, yes. the, the, oh, the the way ramps. that the yes. the way that the lights can kind of change color. Really, really cool stuff. I appreciate what they're doing. They're trying to harken back to the simpler TARDIS of the classic era. But at the same time, I do think it's a bit too sterile. You know, Gatwa says it at the end of the episode, but it needs a chair. It needs something like we have a jukebox now, but it needs it does need some more kind of personality to it. And this is a very annoying thing, but it's only half a set. We've just had three TARDISes where, where they were full sets, whereas this is only half one. So just like Eccleston and Tennant's TARDIS, it's only half a set, whereas mm. Smith's and Capaldi's and Whitaker's they had the full set, they had the full room and space to move around, whereas this is only half the space. I don't like that. It's just it's just not as interesting visually. I really hope that just like Capaldi, this TARDIS is made to feel more homely, made to feel like it has more personality to it, because right now it really is just a bit of a boring one, if you ask me. But that's just something we're gonna have to deal with. True, uh, true. You know, yeah. it's kind of like the new intro. I wasn't huge on the new intro. I think it's fine. The intro is fine. Yeah, the yeah. intro. So, some of the moments are really cool. Some of them not so much. But we're just going to have to stick with it. You know, like, it's just one of the things where Do- Doctor Who will continuously be evolving forever. We're not going to have to stay with this forever. It's something that but, I'm not huge on, but there are things that I can appreciate. And so, like, you know, you just kind of move on. There's a lot of implications with the ending of the giggle, with the bi generation. What does that mean? I have no idea. Russell T. Davies has suggested some stuff. He says that every single regeneration is now a bi-generation. So there are now 28 Doctors out there in the cosmos, which I don't know how I feel about because this is like what what i don't i don't know uh, um, I, i'll talk i'll talk for a bit while you try to think about like there's 28 doctors oh my god i thought what these three specials were building up to was that the doctor wasn't ready to regenerate and then with the bi generation i thought that the 15th doctor was stuck with tarantino's doctor in this time but now you mentioned it bi generation doesn't that kind of defeats the whole purpose of like you know saying goodbyes to the faces that we know but also we got a really nice ending for david Tennant's doctor i'm just like thinking i'm just like uh, uh. i don't i don't think the specials ever really committed to the fact that he was gonna go i think that the whole time they were like yeah no he's gonna stay so we don't have to make it too we don't have to explore why is this face come back i mean i really like the 14th doctor i think the 14th doctor is a really really well-defined character he carries all this emotion and all this guilt but he's also he's happier than tenant was and i feel like in that final episode they say oh yeah he's gonna get better and then we see the 15th doctor and we say this is him after he got better but we're now going to see all that character development all that therapy off screen and it just feels like an excuse to have david tennant return and remain in the universe the whole idea of these two doctors coexisting it feels just like a strange idea i didn't know about any of it really i i I, i'm not like mad or anything i i I will say that the thing in these specials that didn't sit well with me was the meta crisis thing this isn't nearly as troubling as that 
Yeah. Because yeah. we don't really know what the implications of this are. We could do anything it's with new. this. It's um, new. So Exactly. But yeah, like I have my problems with Tennant's original regeneration. I don't think that Russell T. Davies was okay with the change, but I think that you have to be. And I think that the beauty of Doctor Who is it's all about change. It's all about embracing the different people that you are throughout your lives. I love that so much and i believe i truly believe that that is immensely important to the fabric of the show and these episodes feel like they refuse to let go of david tennant of Catherine tate of how the show was back in 2008 and we already had that we already had the letting go we have moved on we don't need to go back there and I know that the specials are over and that we don't know in what capacity we will see David Tennant again. But the fact remains that we will see him again. And it just, it doesn't sit well. They weren't concerned with saying anything for the Doctor, giving this face a reason to come back and to fix himself. They were concerned with bringing back David Tennant so they could have more adventures with him. And so they were concerned with just giving him an opportunity to live and to have this therapy, which is likely to occur off screen. Yeah, it's just really brand new. I think we need to just sit, maybe think about what implications it's going to have for the future of Doctor Who. It just feels disingenuous to me. It feels like it's taking the fabric of the show in a completely different direction, which who knows how that might go. It could be great, but right now it's a bit worrying. So yeah, um, in terms of these three specials, what are you going to give them out of 10? I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Yeah, I think me too. Like, they were good, absolutely. They, they didn't really do a whole lot for me. I feel like these are good episodes. Are they good specials? Maybe not. Maybe but they did do not. some really good stuff. Especially for Wild Blue Yonder. That was a really cool episode. So if you yeah. haven't seen it, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I can't wait for Christmas and the Christmas special. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you everybody for listening. If you're listening on YouTube and you liked it, you can like and subscribe if you want to see more. And if you're listening on Spotify, you can follow and give us a five-star review if you think we're worthy. That brings an end to our three videos on Doctor Who. But of course, we'll be back when season 14 slash season one finishes and we'll do an episode on that and and, and beyond. But next week, we are going to be doing Aquaman in preparation Aquaman, for The Lost Kingdom, yes. which is which I'm really excited for. I think it's one of my favorite DC movies. And you can send us an email at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on Aquaman and, and ask us any questions. And we'll answer it right here on the podcast next week. Yes, uh, I can't wait to talk about Aquaman. That's going to be really fun. And yes, you can follow us on Instagram at Out of Time Film Pod to see our incredible thumbnails from Zane Asvel on Twitter for more thoughts from Tom and TikTok to see edited clips, which are all also in Instagram Reels and YouTube Shorts. And you can find links to that all in the description below. Thanks to LJ and Samir for the excellent theme and winning clips for vocals as always. I think that's everything. Take what you're given. Give nothing back. Goodbye. Goodbye.